0: Welcome to A Virtual View. Today, I'm joined by the Libraries as Mental Health Hubs team at Improve Health. Thank you all for being here today.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, but if you could go uh, ahead and introduce yourself so (laughs) I'm not having to go over everyone's name. Uh, Let's start with you, Elena.
1: Hi, yes. My name is Elena Baer, and I'm a senior quality consultant at Improve Health. I've been working at Improved Health for about four and a half years, and before that, I worked as a project manager for an NIH grant. I went to Michigan State University for my undergraduate degree and then received my Master's in Public Health from Wayne State University.
2: Hello, my name is Jane Lozen, and I'm a quality consultant at Improved Health. I will be celebrating my two-year anniversary with the company in October. I've been a nurse for over 40 years, working for the past 20 years as a psychiatric mental health clinical nurse specialist with experience as a clinician in outpatient settings, and more recently as a director of an inpatient behavioral health department. I obtained my undergraduate degree from Valparaiso University and my master's degree from Wayne State University. Awesome. And
0: last but not least, <laughs>
3: hi everyone. My name is Patty Burchett and I am a quality consultant with Improve Health. I've been with Improve for just a little over a year and I have a BS in healthcare administration and I'm also Sigma and Lean certified. And my background is primarily in operations within the hospital, outpatient, and FQHC settings for both primary care and specialty. So thank you for having us today.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to have so much different expertise here with me today. And I'm always really excited when I get an opportunity to talk about mental health, because that's something I personally am very passionate about. So I'm happy you all could join me today. So first up, let's talk a little bit about the program that you're currently working on. Could you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so the Libraries as Mental Health Hubs project is a Michigan Health Endowment Fund Behavioral Health Grant project, and it actually started in the fall of 2021, and it will run through the end of January 2024. So our primary goal initially was to bring access to behavioral health services into rural areas. We used county health ranking data to identify rural counties that really could benefit from those types of services. We ultimately focused on Macosta and Osceola counties in Michigan, and eventually expanded our search area to Mason and Oceana counties with a goal to recruit 10 libraries for the project.
0: So how many total counties are you guys in right now?
1: So through some additional word of mouth, we got a total of 11 libraries participating and they are in Antrim, Mason, Macosta, Motcom, Oceana, and Osceola counties. So we're in a total of six counties as of now. And we're really proud to have gotten above what our goal of 10 libraries. So very excited about that. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. I love these programs that go in and become bigger because they're, they're great and more people wanna be involved. That's always a great feeling. So can you tell me about sort of how this project was conceived? How did you guys come up with this?
1: Yeah. So initially, uh, when we thought about some behavioral health grants that we could write for, we had some really great partners out there. And one of them was the Northern Michigan Opioid Response Consortium, or NMORC, which is in the north, northern part of the Lower Peninsula in Michigan. And one of the things that they were working on was placing naloxone boxes or naloxone safety kits into libraries. So we were a part of that consortium through some other work. And we thought, what else could we do outside of placing naloxone safety kits in one of the last kind of free places that people can go and spend their day, which is libraries. So that's how we kind of built upon that. So we really thought of What else we could do? We have some social workers on our team and they suggested that a social worker being placed in library settings could be really beneficial. Um, And so that's how we really expanded upon that initial idea which came from NMORC and built upon it to develop really these hubs in the library spaces.
0: So when you use the term hubs, what all services are we talking about?
1: There are several different prongs to this project, as we like to say. So we initially met with the library staff members to understand the things that they were already doing outside of the scope of their practice, including things like patrons that maybe were self-harming in the library restrooms, or they had some general increased agitation from patrons, or even, which is something that is pretty common in some of these libraries that are very rural, was having to kick out unhoused people at the end of the day, knowing that they didn't really have anywhere else to go. Based on some of those things that we learned, we really tried to cater some training to all of the library staff members. So some of those trainings that we provided to them were mental health first aid, naloxone administration, and then a special training specific to library staff called Caring for the Mind. After all of the libraries completed their naloxone administration training, we ordered naloxone safety kits for any of the libraries that were interested in placing one in their library or didn't already have one, because we had a few that already had those naloxone safety kits within their buildings, which is really exciting. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So in addition to the training, we also purchased tablets and hotspots for each library that needed that additional technology so that patrons could access telehealth services from the libraries. And in order to kind of drum up some excitement about that, we actually placed posters in local physician offices so that their patients knew that the libraries had technology in a safe place for them to have a virtual visit with their provider. So very excited about that, and that was with Corwell Health. So the Corwell Health physician offices placed those posters in some of the rural areas where these libraries are located. The patrons who are actually uninsured or underinsured, where they might not be able to access those Corwell Health services, they could have access to telehealth services through the local community mental health service providers who are our partners on this project as well. And we actually provided the libraries with posters that explained how a patron could access those free community mental health services as well. And then kind of one of the other prongs of the project is that we are hosting monthly events at each of the libraries. So not every single library each month will have an event, but a couple usually have events each month with topics such as opioid use in their community, how to access 211 services, and mental health first aid training for community members, which has actually been really, really popular. The last thing, which has been the most difficult for us to achieve, and we've recently had a big breakthrough on this, was that we wanted to place a person in the library that could assist community members. So we recently made a partnership with the CEO of Everyday Life Consulting LLC at a conference earlier this year because she was speaking about community health workers in community spaces and how they could be beneficial. And we sought them out and are moving forward with the partnership to place CHWs in our libraries in the next month or so. So we're really, really excited about that. And it just highlights how important it is to be able to pivot a little bit and be open to new partnerships because sometimes there's a perfect alternative to your initial plan that will fall into place.
0: That is such a comprehensive list of different services that this is providing. That's a huge project. And I really like that you mentioned you worked with the libraries before instituting all this to see what the actual needs in the community were. I think that's really important. And that's a fantastic step you guys took. Thank you. Yeah. When we talk about this program, I think part of this you already answered. But from where you were when you started to where you were now, how big of a change has that been? How how much of a sort of scope creep have you seen as additional things get added on?
1: So I would say that by and large, we haven't seen too much of a scope creep outside of what our initial plan was. What I would say is that We have added additional things on after those conversations that we had with each library. So once we started realizing that those things were happening in libraries, which was very eye-opening to us, we really, really started to increase our partnership with the community mental health service providers. So they were on a lot of our meetings that we had with the libraries where they would listen in and they would offer support. So I think that was the biggest thing is just making sure that on every meeting or as many meetings as possible that we had with the libraries where they could talk to us about the things that they were experiencing, we had community mental health professionals on the line with us that could say, okay, in this situation, you should call this number. In this situation, we could come with a crisis team and help out immediately. So those were the type of things that we really realized that we needed to make sure that we provided for the library staff members so that they knew that we were very serious about this and that we wanted to provide them support because they really don't need additional tasks on Uh their to-do list because a lot of it is outside of their scope of practice as a librarian or as a library staff member. So our biggest thing was just making sure that the library staff members knew that we were not there to push extra tasks on them and to expect them to be mental health professionals, but that instead we wanted to make sure that they had resources to handle the things that they were already seeing in their spaces and make sure that they made really great partnerships with the community mental health service providers in their areas that would be close by that could really help out and come in person if they even needed it.
0: That makes perfect sense. So let's talk a little bit more about working with those community partners and working with libraries. So we've talked about it on a broad scale, but could we get into the specifics a little bit more about what that looked like?
2: Sure. Well, as Elena mentioned, what we found when we were first you know, recruiting libraries is it was really important to work with libraries who had already seen a need in their community and were already doing the work, but needed support, more resources, more information to do what they were being asked. They found themselves in situations they never anticipated or planned in their training. They didn't set out to be mental health professionals or referral sources, but that's what they were already finding that they were doing. So it was really important to work with libraries who already saw that need and who felt that this project could benefit in the, them in the work they were already doing and benefit their patrons and communities. Not all libraries we reached out to were interested in joining the project. And for a variety of reasons, the directors reached out to their boards to make sure they had their full support because that was very important to them. And if they didn't have that, we didn't push. We very respectfully said, you know what, the door's always open if you'd like to join down the road, and still provided them some resources that they could seek out for themselves if they so desired. We also established a partnership with the director of the Mid-Michigan Library League who supported those libraries. So we had a real champion in that person who could kind of bridge some of the communication, help ask some of the questions that maybe she anticipated, but some of the library directors were hesitant to ask or afraid to ask. So she was very beneficial in getting things going, especially. And then ongoing engagement has been very successful through quarterly partner meetings. And we include all of our partners, the libraries, any of the partners who were working with us, and those that we've added along the way, especially the community mental health agencies. We had some targeted meetings with the libraries and their uh, corresponding community mental health agency to talk about specifics in their community, how to connect to that agency from that library and work through some things that way. And then just a library specific meeting, more of a session to learn more from them, hear about some of the challenges that they were facing. Some that surprised, I think, even us in terms of the level of kind of aggression, frightening situations that they found themselves in that they were also looking for tools to deal with.
0: It sounds like there's a lot of good communication going on between all those partners, which is always so important. So when we talk about operating in rural communities specifically, are there challenges that you find in these rural communities or barriers to overcome that you probably wouldn't see if you weren't working in a rural community?
2: I think access in particular is the challenge, which is why we're in those communities to begin with but right. just learning the level of lack of resources available to the people in the communities, not just for mental health and substance use treatment, transportation, internet services, food insecurity, mm-hmm. housing. Library patrons were coming to them, or at least the library directors were very well aware of the issues that the communities were struggling with. And then when we had an opportunity to visit some of the libraries, just to drive through their communities, see their community, see where the library is, see that, wow, this library is just a, basically a one room with no private space, and mm-hmm. they're busy, and they're you know trying to serve all kinds of needs of their patrons, was eye-opening. And I've been going to libraries my whole life, always loved the library, and that was one of the You know best memories of my childhood was my dad taking us to our library every week and even though that was in a small town every library is so different and some of the ones in the more rural areas just really just don't you can see it almost immediately in driving through their community that the difference in the available resources compared to a more urban setting
0: yeah and i also think in those rural settings, a lot of the time, you see libraries serving as a community hub in a way you really don't see in more urban or suburban populations. Because I am also a lifelong library goer, but I'm also a lifelong suburbanite. And I haven't seen the same sort of dependence on library services that you do in a lot of rural communities, despite the fact that we have this big, shiny library. Right. So rural populations do have unique challenges in that it's a oftentimes it can be more difficult to engage with existing communities. So can we talk a little bit about why it was important to work with existing partners in these communities rather than going in there and being like, we're starting this program independently and just doing it on our own?
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, some of it is trust. They know that, you know, we're, we're outsiders to that community. So we don't know that community real well. Libraries, directors, the ones that we've met, are already trusted members of their communities. So helping connect them to existing partners in their community just helped to build that trust, because those were also people who knew that community, but didn't necessarily know what the library might be able to offer, and and vice versa, that the library didn't necessarily know Oh, I didn't know they existed, or I didn't know they could do this, or we'd never thought about connecting in this way. Mm -hmm. So being able to connect people within their own communities just really expedited the building of that trust, and then just getting them together in the same room to talk. When one of our community mental health partners reached out to us, asking if one of the libraries we were working with that was in one of their counties could basically host a space for them to do an intake assessment for someone that they'd been referred to from the local police department. They had concerns about this person, but that person couldn't physically get to the community mental health agency. So through one phone call to us, we connected all the dots for them. And within hours, they were able to arrange the sheriff's department getting this person to the library, the library arranging a space, and then the community mental health agency coming to do that assessment. If they weren't all in that same community, knowing their community, but just needing some assistance connecting the dots and all trusted partners in that community, that wouldn't have happened, how quickly that person was able to get help.
0: Yeah, that coordination is invaluable when we're talking about connecting people to services. So something I always like to touch on when we talk about mental health, particularly mental health services in rural communities, is stigma. Can we talk about how stigma impacts how and when folks in rural communities do seek care? Sure.
2: Stigma impacts, of course, even whether someone acknowledges that there's an issue. Like anywhere in any community struggles with this, any setting. But it, it may be a little different in rural communities. They typically are just, you know, a very hardworking group of people, independent. Many have their own businesses or they're farmers, so they've been very independent. So maybe more used to dealing with whatever whatever the situation is on their own. So one of the ways we try to help deal with that is bringing awareness to them and sometimes through kind of anonymous ways that someone wouldn't Mm -hmm. know that someone was seeking out information. So libraries would post things on their Facebook page, they provide a book table with books about mental health, but it wasn't necessarily obvious by the title, or having bookmarks. One of the requests of the libraries is to have a bookmark. So on that bookmark, uh, we arranged to have the Community Mental Health Agency information, emergency access, phone number available. Well, how simple is that to pick up a bookmark at a library? And now now you have information on how to access care. So it was bringing awareness, making it easy to get information without necessarily having to ask someone or admit to someone. We don't necessarily know the impact of all of that, but out of 200 bookmarks that we provided each library, one library recently said, wow, we need more of those bookmarks. And this is one of the smallest libraries that we're working with.
0: That's great to hear. And that's a really good way just providing that awareness and just more information is such a valuable way to reduce that stigma because you're picking up a bookmark you're not saying i need mental health support and that can be easier for a lot of folks i think
2: and i think by having that information in a library where you wouldn't think maybe necessarily to look for it helps to normalize Mm
0: -hmm. the
2: the issues that oh There's information right out here at the table at the library. I must not be the only one.
0: No, we've had a couple different programs that have worked specifically with rural communities and mental health. And a lot of what we've just seen is uh, just struggling with engagement because folks don't want to admit that they could benefit from mental health services because there's just such a stigma against it in a lot of these communities. But hopefully that's going away. (laughs) So before we move on from this topic, was there anything else you wanted to add about working with community partners and what that looks like? I think, you know, the thing I
2: want to just emphasize is that it's just so important to keep the lines of communication going and to constantly ask, what else do you need? What other needs are you identifying in your community? What are you learning through this that we could do to help you even more? And then wherever we can, we try to provide resources information or some other additional connections so it's it's constantly being i think in tune to where they're coming from not where we want to be but what they identify as a need
0: right and something you mentioned that i think is so important to keep in mind is identifying sort of those champions who will help you and be your advocates within the community who are already there all right so let's talk a little bit about the future of the program and what that looks like
3: Okay, so I think as Elena mentioned earlier, this is a grant through the Michigan Health Endowment Fund, and for us it does end. So we're really hoping that through our partnership with the libraries and now with the opportunity that we have to have our community health workers engaged, that we're going to end up with some additional data that really shows how access to mental health services through telehealth, or other mental health resources like Jane was just talking about with the bookmarks, or other community support services, you know, transportation, housing that are local, just more awareness that these really can be successfully provided in a safe environment like the libraries. And so we'd also like to see the continuation of the training for the library staff, as Jane talked about they're already dealing with these types of issues within the library, so how can we empower them to better deal with many of the challenges that they have that they're already right now facing? So ideally, Mm -hmm. we'd like to see project like this continue to, to grow and we will definitely be looking for opportunities to continue to do that and work in this area.
0: Yeah, I do think this partnership with communities and libraries and other community resources, that's definitely the way forward in a lot of cases. So if people wanted to bring a similar program to their own communities, how would you recommend they start doing that?
3: So I know we've mentioned this before, but we just can't stress how important partnerships are to make sure that your program is successful so we recommend planning on time right up front to identify those partners within your community who you can work with in addition to the libraries since every community is different it may be the schools it may be first responders local physicians or other health systems. We've talked a lot with pharmacies, local grocery stores, that type of thing to find out who really can help the community move this forward. And for us, what we found is again, uh, Lena and Jane already mentioned that community mental health agency relationship ended up being one of our most significant partners in being able to address the immediate needs of the, the people that needed ongoing support at the moment. And the process of gaining trust um, and understanding takes time. So it really does take a village to make the changes and see the impact happen. So starting there is a great way to get going.
0: Well, thank you all so much for joining me today and explaining some of what you do and how folks can bring similar programs to their communities. I really do appreciate you taking the time.
3: Thanks so much for having us. Thank Thank you.
0: for listening to A Virtual View. You can find more information about today's episode in the show notes below. If you would like to support our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Do you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss? If so, contact us at info at or through the form found in the show notes. Also, we'd like to give a special thanks to our editor, Tristan Yoder. Finally, a special thanks to the Health Resources and Service Administration, also known as HRSA, Our podcast series, A Virtual View, is sponsored in part by HRSA's Telehealth Resource Center program, which is under HRSA's Office of the Administrator and the Office for the Advancement of Telehealth. The content and conclusions of this podcast are those of the UMTRC and should not be construed as the official policy of, or the position of, nor should any endorsements be inferred by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government. Thanks for listening and have a great day.